This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have another awesome guest on here for you, Sarah Weaver, who's a big fan of medium-term rentals and actually wrote the book, 30 Day Stay. Really excited to talk to Sarah, and I'm really excited for everyone to learn everything that she has to teach. Hey, Sarah, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Yeah, thank you so much. Sarah, before we get started here, I have a very important question to ask you. What is your favorite restaurant in Austin? Ooh, I think for me, uh, I'm a Kansas City girl, so sorry, I can't say barbecue. Uh, so for me, it's Uchi. Uchi? Which one do you like better, Uchi or Uchiko? Or do you Ooh. care? Is there a difference I think they're you? owned by the same people, right? Mm -hmm. So no, it doesn't matter to me. Whatever I can get a reservation for, because I, I typically never plan ahead. <laughs> okay. Quick tip, if you're ever back in town, go at like a 4.30, um, especially to Uchiko, you can just walk right in and get a table. Or you can okay. get a reservation a day before where it's usually weeks. There we go. Thanks for the tip. Yeah, we uh, we had not been to Uchiko and I got that tip from somebody else. I didn't come up with it and just <laughs> walked right in at 4.30. It was great. Great. Uh, so Sarah, can... You just quickly introduce yourself. Who are you and how are you involved with real estate investing? Absolutely. So hi, everyone. My name is Sarah Weaver. I am originally from the Midwest and I invest in the Midwest. But I think what makes my story really interesting is that I invest long distance. So I have been traveling full time for four years, living out of a suitcase and have been fully uh, remote, working remotely way before COVID in for nine years now. And so I'm doing all of my investing long distance. I furnish long distance. I manage both long-term and furnished rentals from afar. And I have a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> so you've been, you've been working remotely for nine years and for four years, you've been traveling the whole time. Absolutely. Yeah. I bought a one-way ticket to Argentina wow. four years ago and thought I'd be home by Christmas. And well, that was three Christmases ago. <laughs> oh, wow. So how many countries have you been to in four years? Are you still in Argentina? A uh, great question. I've traveled really slow uh, the last four years. And so, gosh, I, I know how many countries I've been to in total. Uh, mm -hmm. But in the last four years, I've probably been to probably about 20. Okay, 20 different countries. That's amazing. How many different continents of those 20 different countries? Uh, what a great question to ask because I'm actually going to my seventh continent oh, wow. in February, get this, with other real estate investors. And so I am taking uh, about 12 real estate investors on a trip of a lifetime to Antarctica. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. Antarctica is so interesting because it's technically not anybody's country and nobody has ownership over it. But uh, I think what's it during February? Is it going to be like technically summer there? Exactly. It's one of the best times to go. Best times to travel the Drake Passage. <laughs> Ask me about that later, uh, meaning like in March and see how that oh. went. It's to be the roughest waters in the world. So that's a two to three day journey across the Drake Passage. But supposedly weather should be the best then. And then most likely to get up close and personal with whales, which is what I'm most excited about. So you you have to, to make your way across via boat. There's no plane. So we have to go across on the boat because we sleep on the boat. Mm. And then because the Drake Passage is maybe super treacherous, uh, which everyone who signed up knows this, mm -hmm. uh, I did charter a plane uh, on the way back. So we will oh. fly back. But we have to take the boat there because we have to sleep on the boat. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. So 
Sarah, how did you get started real estate investing? So you've been working remotely for a long time. What got you into the real estate investing world? Yeah, I read two books. Um, like everyone, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but I also <laughs> read Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Workweek. And I just knew that I wanted to like do my 20s differently. I wanted to build wealth, uh, ideally passive income. Um, and for me, it just made sense to do real estate. Uh, my dad works for a builder in Kansas City. Um, and so through osmosis, like I grew up playing on job sites and dirt piles. And so mm. I knew more about building in houses than your average 20 something girl who has no construction background to be very clear. That's not what I studied. Um, but I found, I was like, you know, I, I actually know a lot about houses and, and I have the gift of gab. So I, I really felt comfortable talking to sellers. So my very first property was me driving for dollars and knocking mm -hmm. on doors and saying, hi, I'd like to buy your house. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, that worked. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so what was your first real estate investment? You were driving for dollars, knocking on doors, what did you buy? And what was your rental strategy with that property? Yep. I bought a, pr a property in a town called Prairie Village, Kansas. Um, it is outside of my hometown, Overland Park, Kansas. And I was living in Denver at the time, uh, arguably a much cooler place to live. Uh, no mm. offense to Kansas. Um, but I just couldn't make the numbers work. I didn't know then what I know now. And mm -hmm. so for me, I thought, okay, cheaper home price and still great rent. It's a, it's a really desirable area. I mean, the town's called Prairie Village. I mean, could you get uh -huh. any cuter? Um, so I bought a house. I bought a 1946, I believe, Cape Cod. And um, a lot of people in that neighborhood were tearing them down. And so mm -hmm. I did I did look at that, don't get me wrong. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's a lot. And I don't know where that money comes from. Because again, I didn't know then what I know now. And so all I did was I did take the entire upstairs down to the studs uh, with my own bare hands. Wow. And it's funny, it was actually, it was exactly this time of year. It was, it was right around Christmas time, 2017. And oh my gosh. Yeah. It was so much blood, sweat, and tears. It's, it's wild. The things that you do when you don't have money, cause you're like, okay, guess I got to do that. And I'd watch YouTube videos and figure it out. So I took that entire upstairs down to the studs. And I don't think Jordan, I don't think I really was sure if it was going to be a rental or a flip. I knew I wanted it to be a rental, but I just didn't have that much money. And so I needed to make sure like, God, I really hope this is going to work. And then my backup plan or, you know, an exit strategy was, hey, at least I can flip it because I bought that thing for two seventeen, And because I did so much of the work myself and then, you know, convinced my dad again, he gave me the gift of gab. So I convinced him to to help me uh, with manual labor. He said, yeah, but you have to write the checks. <laughs> so so I, I renovated it on such a small budget and I could have turned around and sold it for three hundred. And so I knew that it could be a flip, but I also knew, I don't know how I knew this, but I knew that flipping is not how you build wealth. Sure, it's a great way for quick cash, but you pay taxes just like you would on active income. And I really wanted to turn around and kind of rent that puppy out and have tenants paying my mortgage down and get that principal pay down. So that's exactly what I did. I filled all the rooms, including the master or the primary. I lived in the smallest room and rented that room to roommates slash tenants. Mm -hmm. And I was able to get my mortgage paid for and make about probably 400 to $500 a month back wow. then. And so I was like, sweet, I'm moving to Argentina. And, and I, that's when I bought that one-way ticket to South America. Okay, so you started by house hacking, and then w when you moved out, were you making four to five hundred dollars extra a month? Yes, when I lived there, my rent was completely covered, but I did had to pay my third of utilities. Mm -hmm. And then it's funny looking back. Even when I moved to Argentina, I was like, you know, I'm not going to rent my room out just in case I don't like, you know, traveling, and I'll come back. Mm -hmm. And so for almost a whole year, my room sat empty 
Whereas like the investor in me today is like, oh, like you could have been getting, <laughs> yeah. but it was nice to have that peace of mind. I mean, sometimes you don't want to, I think so many people like, you know, they're like, sell your house, sell your kids, sell your car, sell all your stuff. Mm -hmm. But I kind of wanted that peace of mind. Like, yeah, I have a room if I want to go back. I don't think I ever do want to go back, but I have it. Yeah. You got a backup. You have a backup plan there. Exactly. So, you know, I think you said a few things knowing what I know now. Um, and that kind of leads me to talk about your, your the topic of your book, 30 Day Stay, Medium Term Rentals. How did you get involved in medium term rentals and, and how did you land on that kind of being your strategy of choice? Hey, guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it. That would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So what happened after that first property is two years later, I house hacked a duplex. And that following year, I went all in on real estate. I joined the mastermind. I even got a job in real estate, like adjacent so that I could earn while I learned. Mm -hmm. And I read all the books, I listened to all the podcasts. And I knew that like, this is it, like, this is something that I can do alongside this nomadic lifestyle that I've kind of fallen in love with. And, and I just learned everything that I could. And one of the things I learned was, wow, like, if I house hack every year, this is going to take a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, all right, we got to think of something better. So I was like, well, obviously the bird's better, but that sounds super risky and a lot of unknown and a bit time, you know, time intensive to find the deal, manage the renovation. It sounds kind of risky. So I don't know about that. Then the other option was short-term rentals. It, it just seemed like that was the right thing to do, especially in 2020. Um, mm -hmm. if you wanted more cash flow, and I did, I wanted more cash flow, um, because I knew I wanted to quit my job. Yeah. So I think that's funny. Like there's, yeah, I always talk to people and it's, it's really what, what sounds good to you or what your goals are. So you, you identified your goal. You wanted cash flow because you wanted to quit your job, but you're like, Hey, the bird doesn't really sound right for me. And hey, and bird's not rentals. actually great cash flow. In in case anyone's not really aware, like sure you can recycle your capital, but it eats into your cash flow. So that also wasn't going to get me to quit my job any sooner. Yeah, great insight and great point. Uh, I've done a lot of burrs actually myself. So I've done a few dozen burrs, and they don't cash flow great right away. You yeah. know, because you're you're refinancing to get as much of your capital out as possible. And when you refinance it, the highest loan amount you can get it to, the cash flow is not great. Exactly. Um, so it's something you got to think about. If your goal is cash flow, Burr might not meet your, your goals. You know, it could help you later on get to your goal. Maybe you buy better cash flowing properties. Um, but it it's just cool to see, to see your process of figuring out how medium-term rentals were going to work best for you. And I really like the strategy to myself. I have a few. Um, they are, I don't know if you agree with me, they are just as little work as long-term rentals when you set them up right, but they are almost double the cash flow in most cases. Exactly. So for me, how I fell into medium-term rentals, or I shouldn't say fell into, every everything I've done has been really intentional. Mm -hmm. I think some people could look at my life and be like, wow, this girl's like risky and crazy. Um, but I feel like I actually have to kind of two sides of me. I'm actually really type A. Like I was the president of every club I joined uh -huh. in middle school through college. And I also just happened, I fell in love with backpacking. Like I love traveling mm -hmm. and I do like spontaneity because I can basically, um, but everything is really intentional. And so e even the short-term rentals, I knew that a two night and three night turnover was going to disrupt my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Like how could I be on a 14 hour flight if I had a check-in that day and I was going to self-manage or if there was an issue. And so I, and I almost quickly found all of that to be true that while short-term rentals were great cash flow, 
They were also really time intensive. And even when you got systems that were rock solid, which I confidently can say I do with automated messaging, an outstanding cleaner, a virtual mm -hmm. assistant that has my back 100%, I have all of that. But here's the thing. My short-term rentals, Jordan, they take up mind space. I'm always thinking, like, did the cleaner show up? Okay, so sure, maybe I check the Schlage app to see if she came in. Okay, then I'm like waiting. Is she going to text the granite? It's the team and my VA is more than capable, but is something broken? Or do I need to jump in and do we need to, you know, pull uh, prices because I need to charge the gas? There's just just always taking up mind space. And I think one of the things that I learned was in order to be a sustainable investor long distance, I was going to have to become mentally tougher. And I did. So I, I slowly, you know, cared less, you know, took a chill pill, if uh -huh. you want to call it. Um, and I also just had great systems in place. But when I have a medium term tenant, oh my gosh, it's just great. Because you have usually about two almost three months of silence where there's just no worries. Here's a great example. So we're recording this. It's the week before Christmas. And I had a guest who has is booking my unit for three months. He just moved in maybe three weeks ago. He's staying through March. He had the, the thoughtfulness to message and say, hey, just so you know, I'm going to be out of town for the whole week of Christmas. Is there anything you want to do? I also just wanted to let oh. you know and you need to do it. And I just was like, wow, that, thank you so much. Just obviously make sure you take out the trash. I'll take your trash to the curb for you, or I'll hire someone to do it. Um, but thank you so much. Like, no, we don't need to turn, you know, the, the building in this particular case, we don't, there's no water shut off in his unit. Whereas if he had been, you know, a single family home, I would have been like, oh my gosh, thank you for telling me. Let's turn the main off in case of pipe freezing, et cetera. Um, so just, you get guests like that. And maybe he's an exception, sure. But I find that the MTR guests are almost what I consider professional tenants. Mm -hmm. They're so thoughtful. They're so mm -hmm. thoughtful because it's their home. Like his stuff is there for the next three months, even if he's gone for a week. Yeah, I, I love it too. I, I feel the same way. They're so much more respectful. It, it feels like it's a lower expectation too because they're not on <laughs> vacation. Yes. Uh, you mentioned hosting software, automated messaging, which leads to hosting software. Do you have a favorite hosting software that you like to use? Yeah, for me, I like Hospitable because I'm putting my MTRs on FurnishedFinder.com and Airbnb, and I needed a way for them to communicate. Is it automated? No. I still have to manually bring people over from FurnishedFinder or Apartments.com. Yeah. Supposedly, they're working on it. Hospitable, if you're listening, please work on this faster. Hurry it up, yeah. But but still, even though we automatically, or sorry, we manually put in the bookings from Furnished Finder, I love that then I'm at ease knowing that even my Furnished Finder guests are getting automated messaging. I, I message them every week to remind them to take the trash to the curb because that's something that MTR guests do. You know, two weeks in, I say, hey, I'm not calling you messy. But just in case your place is getting messy, here's my cleaner's number. If you want to, you know, hire her yourself, feel free. She's lovely. Mm -hmm. um, the, all of those automated messages, unfortunately, without a great system, your Airbnb guests, sure, they can get them automatically. But you have to think of a workaround if you're getting bookings through something like apartments.com or Avail. Mm -hmm. You say Avail? Yeah, A-V-A-I-L. They're a competitor to apartments.com and they're wonderful. Okay. So it sounds like you use Avail, apartments.com, Furnish Finder, and Airbnb. Correct. Correct. You don't need to use apartments.com and Avail. Uh, I would use one or the other. Mm -hmm. um, but yep, those are my systems. Um, I also recommend Price Labs. I think you do need a dynamic pricing software even for MTRs. Really? Just because you never know if something's coming in town. If you don't know your area really, really well, um, it's great to know, oh, there's a concert coming in town or here in Omaha, we have the College World Series. Mm -hmm. um, pricing goes up during that time and I want to capture that if I can. And so I still think that the pricing um, software works. So I like pricing labs. Um, I am listing on Zillow recently. Uh, have I gotten anything from Zillow? No, 
Uh, but some of my students have. And so I think that that's noteworthy. What would you say the breakdown is? So for me, it's like 95% Airbnb, uh, 5% other sources. Right now, um, I'm at 90% Airbnb and only 10% Furnish Finder. And that has never happened. It's almost mm. always 70% Airbnb, 30% Furnish Finder. Really? And so Airbnb took the lead about two months ago, um, which is rare for me, at least. Yeah. For us here in Austin, it's 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 very heavy Airbnb. Uh, I very rarely get a booking from anywhere but Airbnb. But when we do, they're great. You know, I oh I, uh, oh I, I Jordan, I don't think I've told your audience. So my furnished properties are in Omaha, Nebraska, mm-hmm. and Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. I still own those first two properties that I brought bought in Kansas City, both on the mm-hmm. Kansas side and the Missouri side. Um, but while I was living abroad, um, in a van, funny enough, I was living in a van in New Zealand. Um, my source for deals in Kansas city dried up. And so I started looking at other markets. I knew that what I had created in Kansas city, I could replicate. Mm -hmm. And so I started talking to an agent in Omaha and an agent in Des Moines as a world traveler. It's not like I dreamed about, Oh, I really want to own an Airbnb in Omaha. Yeah, Omaha. Uh, yeah, I'd never, I had never even been to Des Moines, never been to Des Moines, Iowa. And I, I did my first um, burr actually in Des Moines. And now I own furnished rentals there as well. Um, but, but I think it's important to note that sometimes the unexpected places can be incredible MTRs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that kind of, leads to why people are MTR tenants or medium-term tenants. I've had the experience that so often people expect, the number one thing that comes to mind is traveling nurses. People say, well, should I get it close to a hospital? Traveling nurses said, hey, that doesn't hurt. You know, yeah. it's not gonna, you're not gonna be mad, but you're getting some traveling nurses. But we've had the experience, and I don't know if you get the same experience, traveling nurses seem to get their assignments several weeks in advance. And we're booked up several weeks in advance, so we almost never get them. It's it's incredible. I I find that I I'm probably about sixty percent booked ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, yeah, the last minute and and that stressed out version of myself hates that. Like, Mm -hmm. I wish that I was getting booked far in advance. And so if you're a worrier, like, you need to know that last-minute bookings do happen. Yeah. Yeah. It is nerve-wracking. You're sitting there thinking, I have a whole month open in a week. And then two days into that week, you get a booking for the next month. And you're like, "What? how did that happen? Why did you not plan ahead? (laughs) So I get it. Yeah. I mean, I, but I'll admit like as a traveler, I've done that where, you know, Croatia and Italy were so hot this summer. It was like mm-hmm. 105 and I thought, Oh, it'll be fine. No, it wasn't fine. It was not enjoyable. And so I was like, screw it. I'm flying to Germany. And at 10 AM, I bought a flight for 3 PM to Munich. Wow. <laughs> and, and so even I am sometimes that last, not always, but sometimes I'm that last minute. Yeah, no, I like that too, because that highlights that the last minute guests aren't bad guests. They just might have had a last minute reason to yeah. book your oh, place. Oh, absolutely. Super cool. Um, Sarah, are there any special features or, or special items you like to put in a medium term rental versus a, a short term rental? Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join GoBundance.com slash Emerge, GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole life millionaire. Um, really, they, they're mostly the same. I think blackout curtains are an absolute must, really in both, to be honest, a short term or an MTR. Um, and then I think the kitchen needs to be stocked just a little bit differently. Um, so you need to walk in to your kitchen and say, hey, could I really, you know, fix every meal? And mm-hmm. and I think a short term rental should be the same. You never know if people are you know, going to have a night in uh, mm-hmm. at your Airbnb or short term rental. 
Um, and so I think having a really, truly fully stocked kitchen, we're talking, a, you know, you have to have a colander, you have to have a, a brownie pan, a baking pan, um, just those things that someone would want if they're living there for three months. Yeah, no, I think that's such a good point. We went to, we did a Thanksgiving at, at a Airbnb about an hour away. So we were there for two nights, but we cooked the whole Thanksgiving meal there and it really helped that it was fully stocked in the kitchen. They had everything we needed. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Sarah, do you have a biggest mistake you've made investing in medium-term rentals? Like something people can learn from and maybe not run into the same problem? Yeah, there's probably two things that I would have done differently. Um, I would have learned to spend more money up front instead of trying to save money. Um, so a great example is I just got a text from my handyman. So while I'm talking, I'm unlocking <laughs> my my unit on Schleg. So I have Schleg in code locks on all my doors. And, and at the beginning, I bought a property. It had keypad locks. And so I was like, sweet, gonna save, you know, whatever it was, $1,200 instead of upgrading to Schleg in code. Well, what a pain in the butt that was. My cleaner had to learn how to change the code. Mm -hmm. I was having to have a spreadsheet and it was an it was a mess. And so you just guys spend the money. Like spend the money up front. Don't go crazy. You're an investor. Um I see a lot of furnished rental hosts spend way too much money on things that I'm like that's going to get thrown away or ruined. Mm -hmm. Um and so I but I but I was I was really really frugal. Um, in ways that I could have, you know, avoided some headache at the beginning. Um, another great example is one of my units right now is getting like a full bathroom reno. And is it the best time? Is did I really want to be doing it? No, but it just the the tenant checked out and it's like, let's just do it and let's just do it right. And so now when a handyman says, Hey, do you also want me to do this? I obviously look at their bid and I'm making sure that it's a good investment, but the answer is yes, a lot more than it was two, three years ago. Um, I think that that's also just growing up, you know, a little bit as an investor. Um, yeah. And it helps. I mean, let's be honest, it helps that there's money in the bank. Well, yeah. And I think you sometimes you have to spend that money to make better returns too. So you, I couldn't we, agree more. We're still in a review business with the medium term rental space. So yeah. you, you have to keep them looking great. Uh, on that note, do you have a certain cadence in which you refresh the properties? Let's say new paint, uh, cleaning places up, stuff like that. Yeah, I think that it's really important that you listen to guest feedback. One, one really great tip is if you haven't gone through your reviews recently, um, you or your virtual assistant can go into Airbnb and just copy and paste all of your reviews throw them in the, into chat GPT and ask it, what are some of the common standouts? Um, what are any complaints or negative like parts of the review and chat GPT will summarize, I mean, as many reviews as you have. Um, you can also do it with your competition. So if you have like a clear competitor or a few clear competitors in the market, you can do the same thing to their reviews. So I'll copy and paste all their reviews into chat GPT and say, hey, what are the amenities most mentioned in these reviews? And I'll make sure that I have those things as well and that I talk about them in my listing. So, so I will answer your question. There are things that do get refreshed, but what I often find is that people have these things in their in their unit but they're it's not any it's not clear in the listing and someone will say a host will say oh well if you look at the photo you can see and i'm like no you need to have it mentioned in your listing description it needs to be mentioned in the captions like guests want to see what are is the product that they're getting and so i think that the refresh that i've been focused on mostly has been optimizing my actual listings uh, across all platforms that's a really smart way to do that too. Using chat GPT to do all the hard work for you there. Yeah. I, of course, you know, got that from someone else. I think that is really the other thing is the value of being in the community. Mm -hmm. So, so I even like, yes, I wrote the book on the MTR and I'm just joined a mastermind for short-term hosts. 
because there's always new things to learn. And if you haven't updated your amenities page on your Airbnb listing, I mean, Airbnb's adding amenities all the time and they're not telling us hosts, they're not communicating that with us. And so you need to make sure that you're checking your listing, that it's actually accurate. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great and, advice. Yep. And then as far as actually refreshing the furniture, oh yeah, I mean, it happens all the time. You know, you're always making improvements. Yeah, no, we get, we understand that we need to make paint touch-ups every so often. We need to kind of you know, replace some of the dishes, some of the furniture. You know, you never know what you're going to have to actually go in and fix, but it, like, I like what you said. Basically, if, you, if you're paying attention and you're monitoring that, that through reviews and guest feedback, they really tell you what you need to do to make this a great property. And if Absolutely. you do what they say, you almost end up with a good product. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think it, it, it's really a matter of not being married to your listing. Thankfully, that's always been how I've operated with real estate. Even from that very first house, yeah, I put my own blood, sweat, and tears, but that was an investment property. Like Mm -hmm. I remember my mom being like, oh, let's do this fixture. And I'm like, no, that's not good ROI. (laughs) And so I find a lot, especially with furnished rentals, I don't know what it is, but hosts kind of fall in love with a design or, you know, an item. And I'm like, no, it's an investment. So you got to listen to the guests. You got to give them what they want. Yeah. Yeah. And you just can't take it personally. The feedback is just feedback. It's not about you. Exactly. So Sarah, you wrote the book 30 Day Stay. Who is that intended for? Who should read the book 30 Day Stay? I think really anyone interested in real estate investing, because a lot of people who think a lot of investors or people who want to invest think the same thing that I've already echoed, which is short-term rentals are a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And so I think people are feeling discouraged with higher interest rates. It's really hard to cash flow. And so enter the medium-term rental. You get that increased cash flow without some of the headaches. There's, there's, it's still a job. Like I still run furnished rentals. Um, but they don't run me. And I think that's the biggest <laughs> difference. Oh, that's a, it's a great way to look at it. It's still a job. There's still work to do, but it's a much easier job than a short-term rental. Exactly. And so what I love about the book is that a lot of people who own long-term rentals already and have that, you know, maybe preconceived notion, like, oh, I never want to do short-term rentals. They're the ones who are telling me, oh, Sarah, like, I love my MTR. I turned a unit that was either underperforming into a a, a MTR and now they're super happy. I think that when you look at the numbers, and in my experience here in Austin, it's typically 50 to 70% more in gross income off of the medium-term rental versus the long-term rental. So it's like goes from just barely, maybe not even break even to you're making the right cash flow. But no, I think it's a it's, it's such an eye-opener when you look at it that way, because a lot of people, they just see the, the long-term rental and the short-term rental, and there really is this in-between that is the medium-term rental that has amazing cash flow and is not a lot of work. And that's what I think is so important is that people realize that um, really... MTRs are not just for, you know, professional landlords too. I think that it really is a great first investment. Mm -hmm. And so you could never have owned a rental, pick up a duplex, maybe live in one side and turn the other side into an MTR and almost like practice on, okay, it's right next door. If anything happens, I'm right here. And then you'll realize, oh, this is really easy. Like, I'm not going to pay a property manager, especially like a short-term rental property manager who's taking 20 to 35% because like I said, for about 70 days, you don't even hear from the guest. Yeah, no, it's great. And I love that strategy too, the the buy a duplex, have medium-term rent and cover uh, almost all of the mortgage or all of the mortgage with just one unit. And then if you choose to move out, you've got massive cash flow. Well, well, and that's actually how I, how I got started is I bought a fourplex, 
using FHA, three and a half percent down. I moved into the unit. And in my mind, I was like, you know, I am about three hours away from my parents. I'm 45 minutes from all my grandparents. And I can always just go to Mexico. And so I put my unit on Airbnb thinking maybe it'll get rented on the weekends. I'll make some cash and I'll go somewhere for the weekend. And my second Airbnb guest was a 62 night stay. So I was like, well, guess I'm going to Mexico for 62 nights. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. So I know you have the the short-term rental, sorry, medium-term rental business is essentially affording you the freedom that you want. But I know we also talked about before we started here, you have another travel business that you're super passionate about. It's called Invested Adventures. And can you explain a little bit more about what that is and what y'all do? Yeah, absolutely. So I take real estate investors on epic adventures around the world. Uh, what I, what I have done is I've built my rental portfolio while traveling. And while people love talking about real estate investing, I find that everybody just wants to talk about the travel. They're like, how do you, how do you pack carry on only tell me about credit card points and travel hacking. And, and I think because of COVID people were itching to get together again. And conferences are amazing. Like I am a conference junkie. I go to a lot of conferences, I, you will see me at conferences and I'm an extreme extrovert. So there are introverts where the conferences are draining Mm. and it's not giving them, you know, hands on tailored advice to their situation. Sure. You might have great hallway conversation. I call that lobby con Mm -hmm. and you might have great hallway conversation, but you're still, and you may even leave the conference feeling really motivated. But the problem is, is that that motivation or that spark, it starts to fade because you didn't likely have 11 to 15 people who really invested to get to know Jordan and his portfolio and his specific challenges And so, sure, then you have to go to another conference to like get that same feeling or motivation or inspiration. So what I decided is that I was going to take the amazing part of conferences, which is the camaraderie and the community, and then elevate it by pairing it with a bucket list experience. Mm. So I take small groups of anywhere between nine and 17 has been my biggest group. And we do epic things. So we hiked Kilimanjaro this summer. Wow. I summited Kilimanjaro. And if anyone's, you know, listening to this without video, like I don't look like an ultra marathon runner. (laughs) Like I was, I think one of the biggest people on that mountain and I freaking summited and I did it with 12 real estate investors who now we talk weekly. We have a group thread that is not annoying. A lot of group chats are like the bane of my existence. This group (laughs) thread is awesome because we know each other so intimately. Like when you go on a, you know, a nine day hike with someone, you talk about things you never thought you would talk about with another human and, and you talk about real estate. And so I know how big of a deal it is that someone hired a bookkeeper because either they have control issues or they keep thinking they can do it themselves. And then I also know how big of a deal it is that someone finally got their property appraised because I know like the intimate details of their portfolio and and their journey. And we did something really, really cool. It's nine days to hike Kilimanjaro. So it's six days up and two days down. It's an eight day route that we did. You can do it faster if you're like a mountaineer, mm-hmm. um, but the issue is altitude. And yeah. so the the route that we did has the highest percentage of summiting. So success to summit. Um, we actually had two people in our group not summit mm-hmm. and I was vomiting and coughing blood and I summited. Jordan Moorhead here. Really quick, he wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations and good job to you. you. I have a, Thank uh, you. a desire to do something like that. Eventually, I have some buddies in GoBundance. It's a mastermind I'm in that they just did that this summer, but I had no idea it took that long. That's amazing. 
Yeah, it was it was incredible. And if if you or, or anyone listening is like, uh, yeah, I'm out, no hiking. Um, I immediately went from Kilimanjaro to the south of Italy, and I hosted twelve real estate investors. And the only exercise we did was like passing the bread and drinking wine. So so we ha- I have events for all people and all different you know walks of adventure. Um, I think the most important thing, though, is that people realize that when you leave the comfort of your home and you're exposed to people doing something different, you change. And so, like, we have investors that have come on invested venture trips that have quit their job. They have come off their depression medication. Mm. They're parenting better. They've lost weight. They, of course, buy more real estate. But but truly, like lives have changed just from a five day event. That's amazing. And, and do you have a website where people could learn more about this? Absolutely. The best place to go is my website, Sarah D. Weaver. And if your audience goes to sarahdweaver.com slash trips, um, they can sign up to be notified about the next trip for 2024. Awesome. No, that sounds really exciting. Sarah, so I know you know you've got a lot of stuff going on. The book. Invested adventures, your medium-term rental portfolio. It sounds like you have a few long-term rentals too. What are your long-term goals for real estate investing, and what's that look like for you? Yeah. Oh, I love this question because it's something that I, I mentioned. Like how intentional I am, and I have intentionally put a lot of time into my businesses. So, in in, in addition to invested ventures, I own a design firm, uh, Aria Design Services, where we furnish. Airbnbs or short-term rentals and MTRs all across the country. Uh, that company hit six figures this year. I have wow. plans to pull it next year. Um, I also have a coaching program with 75 students. And and I really was intentional about, okay, how can I have cash producing businesses and then turn around and move that money into cash flowing properties. And so I have been looking for my next deal, just like most real estate investors, Mm. um, but doing it really intentionally. So while I've been waiting, um, I've been lending. So I've been doing a lot of lending this year and man, I love, love the returns for that. It can almost be a little bit addicting. Um, and so I'm making sure that I, I have a great accountability group who's making sure, okay, Sarah, like you have to buy something by this deadline. Um, so for my real estate portfolio specifically, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I have been picking up duplexes lately where I will have one side LTR long-term and one side medium-term rental. That way you get the best of both worlds. You get Mm -hmm. stability. It's not a huge upfront, you know, cost to furnish both units. You're only furnishing one. Um, and then I'm not onboarding, you know, two furnished rentals at the same time. And so I really like that model. I love the markets that I'm in. I've built really solid on the ground teams. Um, and and I, I and also my CPA is like diversification's great, but Sarah, you own 19 units in four states. Can we not add another one? Oh, it's <laughs> having to file a different return. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so uh so that's definitely something like to keep in mind, uh, real estate investors. Um but I also, I'd love to house hack again. Um, I, I'm actually looking in your lovely market um, awesome. because I want to live somewhere where I can start dating again. Mm-hmm. And for anyone listening that's gone through dating, um, I don't know if Omaha, Nebraska is quite my demographic <laughs> as a very full passport uh, holder, uh, but we'll see. I, I shouldn't judge. Um, so I am looking at big cities. So looking at New York, D.C., Denver, Austin, Mexico awesome. City. <laughs> no, I, I I love the uh, I love the a outlook for where your portfolio is going. I I really do love the long term rental and medium term rental strategy too. I have two duplexes here in Austin that employ that same strategy. One is a long term, just set it, forget it, never think about it. One is a medium term. It's systemized. I have to onboard a new tenant every couple months, maybe, but it's not a lot of work. Um, and it's great cash flow. So cash absolutely flow. something that works well here in Austin too. So you can do that and have a great place to live when you want to be here. Exactly. That's kind of the plan. <laughs> yeah. So, cause I, cause I think, I mean, even through everything I've done, you know, working for a mastermind, starting my own, attending conferences, 
speaking at conferences now all over the world. Um, I, I love community. Mm-hmm. I think like, what's the point of any of this if you're doing it all by yourself? And so I think that I've really started to value um, having a community that is like-minded. And so for me, it, it's living a really big life. So I don't need to hike Kilimanjaro every year. Mm-hmm. I don't need to, I don't need to top that next year, by the way. Um, but I do, I do want to live life differently. I think that's how I started out the podcast is, is, you know, I, I knew that my twenties were going to look different than other people. And, and now I'm so glad that I chose this path because now my thirties arguably look so different than some of my peers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I think it's, it's, it speaks to having an intentional life and you're living the life that you want to live rather than what feels like the life that you're supposed to live. Yes. You, know, you mentioned that your life looks a lot different than a lot of your peers. I think people just kind of let life carry them along a lot of the times and say, oh, well, I'm supposed to do this next. Uh, I hit this age. Now this happens. And you said, I want to do these things. And this is what I'm going to do. And this is how it's going to look. And you've done it. And you've absolutely made it happen. And that's just a testament to life is what you want it to be and life is what you make it not what happens to you it's awesome yeah absolutely well and i think sometimes you can get so caught up in like oh how many doors do i have mm-hmm. and i realize really quickly like the stress that comes along i'm actually furnishing a unit right now so so for anyone watching the video if you saw my eyes darting i had someone come in and deliver a chair while we've been on this podcast oh, and wow. And and so furnishing a unit is stressful. Um, Mm. It's less stressful if you hire my company and we'll do it for you. Um, (laughs) But I think that people really underestimate all the time and energy and, of course, money that goes Mm. into onboarding a new property, whether whether it's furnished or not. And and sometimes that can make people really unhappy. So I know people who own hundreds of doors, but they're, you know, overweight and lonely. And, and I just made a decision kind of early on that, Hey, I'm going to focus on things that really fill me up. And so I spend a lot of time mentoring and a lot of time taking care of my invested adventure clients, as well as ARIA clients. And sometimes I'm passing on really good deals because I'm passing them to my mentees. And then of course I'm always thinking, Oh yeah, I'll pick one up next time, but I have to make sure it fits into my life. And so I think a lot of people, especially this time of year, I don't know exactly when this will air, but at the end of the year, beginning of the year, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I just, I didn't do enough this year. Like, you know, I didn't buy enough or I didn't do enough. And it's like, but did you have a good time? Like, did you make an impact on anyone's life? Like who was the most influential person in your year this year, 2023? And I think that when I ask myself those kind of questions, I'm like, man, I'm doing really good. I'm mm-hmm. really happy. Yeah. No, we get really caught up in hitting a specific number a lot of times. And I think that life is so, you can't measure it that way and, and be happy. You know, yeah. whose life did you impact? I, I, I really like that a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sarah, do you have a favorite book you like to recommend other than your your book, 30 Day Stay? Yeah, I recommend. Um, Oh, there's really two books. If you haven't read Matt Faircloth's Raising Private Capital, I think that even if you aren't planning on doing equity partnerships or private money, it's just a really good read to think about real estate differently. And then I love how he is being very intentional with his relationships. So he talks to you about, in the book, he talks to you about how to build a database. And I think that Every investor should do that. And so that's something that I actually got from my journalist days is I was always building a database because you never knew when you were going to need a contact on the ground somewhere. And I thankfully brought that into real estate. And so Matt Faircloth is one of the first people that I saw talk about that in in a real estate book. And then the second book uh, that I mentioned at the beginning, just in case anyone hasn't read it, is Read the 4-Hour Workweek. It is an absolute must Tim Ferriss is absolutely brilliant. Even if, you know, salsa dancing or tango down in Argentina is not your thing. um, There's going to be something in that book that will touch you. What's he saying there is automate, delegate, eliminate the three things he looks at with anything he's doing. How can he either automate it, delegate it or eliminate it? And 
Exactly. And in my opinion, I think there's two different types of entrepreneurs. There's the entrepreneur that cannot delegate it at all. These are not my words, but I would call that a control freak. Yeah. Um, and then there's someone that del- and then there's someone that delegates everything in their life, but then also doesn't check the work. Mm-hmm. And I will admit, I am definitely the latter. And so yeah. I have been delegating everything. I, I heard a, a. I think he might be in Go Abundance. I heard of someone who's even delegated his dating profile. I haven't gone that far, <laughs> so I'm not. I haven't delegated that to a VA, but I've delegated a lot. And I, I know that delegation has made me happier, like without a doubt. And it's made me more. Yeah, absolutely. I think it absolutely can make you more money. And I think that even with the the rise of AI, there's a lot of things you can delegate to AI that maybe you're not completely panning off, but you're saying, hey, I need a lot of this work done. Like you Mm -hmm. said, reading all the reviews and boiling it down to what specifically needs to be done here. Um, I would not be surprised if somebody in GoBundance has automated their or delegated their dating profile. But I like what you said there of like over delegating and not ex- and inspecting it. I think uh, the term I've heard that makes the most sense to me is inspect what you expect. So mm-hmm. you're saying, hey, I, I want to see this done. Maybe you have somebody else do it, but you have checks and balances where you come back and you inspect their work and make sure it was done right and up to your standards. Absolutely. And and I think that you just learn as an entrepreneur. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've never consecutively ran three businesses and self-managed all of my units. Mm-hmm. I'm learning just like everybody else. And so you also have to surround yourself with the right people. And so I have two different kind of outlets. One is all real estate focused um, and one is more entrepreneurial focused. And those two groups of people um, are so important to me. And so I urge anyone that hasn't joined something. I mean, you mentioned GoBundance, which I think is an incredible organization. I think people really do need a community. And and yes, they all cost money. Sure. If people pay, then they show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was actually at an event this weekend. It was a guy's surprise birthday party, but it happened that everybody there was in some sort of community. He had overlap with um, Entrepreneurs Organization. I th- think that's the what it's called, EO. Uh, they had a, another one. It was just a community of guys helping each other and uh, masterminds like Go Button and stuff like that. It's so important and it can really help you level up in every area of your life just by being around people that are traveling all over the world and operating multiple businesses and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, and then there's so many like unexpected things. So, so I already mentioned like my health and being possibly the biggest person on Kilimanjaro that that's been my focus the last quarter is okay. I got to eat cleaner. Traveling is so hard, so hard on eating Mm -hmm. clean and not drinking and and exercising enough, of course. And so what's great is I made huge differences in how I'm eating. And then it was great, Jordan. I looked around at my friend group and I'm like, oh, this is how every one of my friends eats. Like Mm -hmm. it, whereas I think a lot of people who live an unhealthy lifestyle, it's pretty tragic to make a change because they're having to, you know, stop hanging out with their drinking buddies or like when you go to family events, you have to bring your own food. Whereas for me, like really all my friends are freakishly fit. And this is already like a pillar that they follow. And so it's made my journey so much easier. Absolutely. It's all about who you surround yourself with. And they'll pull you up or pull you down. Absolutely. that is. Sarah, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you or follow you? Yeah, there's two ways. So if you're not on Instagram, you can head over to my website, sarahdweaver.com. And then if you've liked anything that you've heard, I really would love to hear from you guys either via email, which you can access on my website or message me on Instagram. I think it's really, really fun to get a DM saying that you heard something I said and either you loved it or hated it. But either way, I love to hear from you guys. Absolutely. I love that. And what is your Instagram, Sarah? Sarah D. Weaver. So S-A-R-A-H. D. All one word. Yep. Weaver, W-E-A-V-E-R. Okay. Awesome. Love that. And it's at Sarah D. Weaver. Of course, I'm at Jordan underscore Moorhead on Instagram. Sarah, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation here. I absolutely love medium-term rentals and I love everything else you're doing. Thank you so much, Jordan. All right. We'll talk soon. You have a great day. Thank you.